everybody. Welcome to episode 39 of Do The Woo. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Wold. And with me today is the man who started it all, Bob Dunn. Hey, Bob. Hey, yeah. Blame it on me, you know. I'm I'm sorry. I I apologize to everybody. Yes, I am the one that started it all. And I I had to twist um, Jonathan's arm to join in at some point here. You've done a great job. I appreciate it. yeah, it's it's fun to see what you've done over the years, and this year you've moved to a weekly. It's kind of a big move. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes. It's going to be interesting because we're going to be pulling in. I guess it's it's trite to say in a way, but I really want to hear more about the WooCommerce, the people that do WooCommerce, and the story behind them. I mean, everybody talks about storytelling, and you know, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we've done that for many centuries, but. I think it's going to be an interesting approach. So I think as we move along, uh, we're going to discover some fun stuff about some people. Bob, um, so for those of you who didn't catch last week's episode, you had some announcements regarding sponsors. Do you want to catch people up on the latest? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I want to thank uh, WooCommerce as our community sponsor. They're our, our, a new big sponsor that's uh, bringing a lot to the show. So uh, of course, you know where to find them, WooCommerce.com. And also our other sponsor is FooEvents.com. They're a powerful event and ticket functionality that you can add to your WooCommerce store. And later in the show and at the end, I'll remind you too, they have a really cool offer. They're giving um, our listeners a free year license to their plugin. That's so awesome. you're getting their premium plugin for a year. So um, you want to snag that because um, he's being very mum about how long this will go on. So get while well, the getting's good. And there'll be more information on that later in the show. Awesome. So today, I'm very excited. We have with us uh, Katie Keith from Barn 2 Plugins. She's the operations director and she's joining us from a very different time zone. Katie, it's great to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. And um, and for our listeners, you want to tell us where you're based? I'm based in England, in the southwest of England. Um, so I think it's uh, morning for you guys, evening for me. We, we really appreciate you uh, taking time out of the evening to spend with us. So, Katie, what do you, you know, let's, let's start this way. I, I want to kind of go into your journey to WooCommerce and all that, but tell us a little bit more what you do at Barn2. Um, we're a plugin company. We used to be a WordPress web design company, and we transitioned uh, four years ago now to selling plugins, having wanted to do that for many more years, like many people. Um, the plugin side of things really took off, and that's all we do now. And um, we sort of very quickly became specialists in WooCommerce plugins. Six of our nine premium plugins are WooCommerce, and we find that that's definitely the way to go. That's fantastic. Katie, one of the things I was curious about, so you guys have had the advantage of of being in the WordPress ecosystem for a long time. I think it was like 2009 is when you you guys start. Uh, One of the things that I love just to, to, for folks who've been in for longer, are there any, any highlights that stand out from your experience sort of watching the ecosystem grow or any particular lessons that you learned, especially in making that transition from service into product? Yeah, the, the whole that transition itself has been a real highlight because it's a completely different way of working. Obviously, the business is more scalable because you create yeah. a product and can sell it many times. Obviously, you're not guaranteed to do that, but um, we found a good way to do that. So that's been a highlight. And becoming part of the, the product world has been a real highlight. 
we've got to know a lot of fellow product company owners and it's brought us into contact with people a lot more than we were when we were doing WordPress websites, I suppose, because product company owners like themes, plugins and so on, uh, they kind of benefit from working together through integrating our plugins with each other, guest posting for each other. So we've been a lot more involved in the community since we transitioned and that in itself has been a highlight. But more widely, a major highlight has been seeing WordPress grow, seeing the community grow, the the user base, obviously, in 2009, it didn't have a particularly good market share. and um, WooCommerce wasn't really a thing. Um, and then now suddenly you've got WordPress powering a third of the internet and WooCommerce, um, what is it, 30%? 44% or, or whatever. Of it? Yeah. It's, it certainly was a year yeah. or so ago. Yeah, I saw 44 at one point. And so it's been amazing to be part of that because we kind of feel we backed the right horse. I remember uh, years ago, uh, my dad, who knows nothing about this stuff, obviously, um, was saying, like, um, so what's with all this WordPress? Why don't you get into website security? That's the way to go. And um, I feel we, I'm not saying website security is not good. And obviously, you can do that within WordPress. But I feel we've kind of proved ourselves that WordPress was the horse to back. Was there any, I'm curious about that. Was it an obvious choice at the time? Or was it like, when you think back about it, what gave you the confidence to make that decision to focus the business like, on WordPress? We kind of never did. <laughs> it yeah, just, just um, okay. emerged. So when we started building websites, we were doing it as a generic tool. We, we weren't that confident it was our first business. So mm. back in early 2010, we were just thinking, how can we earn a living um, ourselves without having to be employed? So we were just sort of targeting small local businesses who didn't have websites because in those days people didn't always have a website which is hard to imagine and so we just found WordPress as our uh, weapon of choice really for building those websites. We didn't even initially tell the clients that we were using WordPress but they were like electricians and washing machine repair shops that kind of thing. They weren't interested in the technology or even using the content management system uh, so we did that for our own benefit. And then towards the end of 2010, as just a kind of a random experiment, I did some Google AdWords around WordPress specialisms. Mm. Um, so keywords like WordPress experts, WordPress web design, that kind of thing. And at that time, it was a real gap in the market. And so uh, we got uh, from pay, paying 70 British pounds worth on Google AdWords, we had something like 3,000 pounds worth of work come in within a few weeks. Um, which at that time was a big deal for the business. So at that point, we realized we need to be a WordPress company. We need to not do it behind the scenes quietly. We need to announce that we're using WordPress and people will find us for that reason. And that got us to working with um, national and international clients rather than just local uh, because people were seeking WordPress specialists at that point. So last question from me about the history. Um, you know, there's been a lot of change in WordPress. We have Gutenberg over the past few years, and there's a lot of question marks and a lot of excitement, but also uncertainty about the future. Has there ever been a point over the, the arc of your journey so far where you've perhaps questioned like, hey, is, it, is this the right thing for us to continue to invest in WordPress? Or how, how do you, is that just a foregone conclusion? Or how do you evaluate that as you continue to, to look to the future and as you've watched the past few years of, of change in WordPress? Um, well, well, we haven't always been delighted with the direction that is taken from above, yeah. whatever above may be. 
particularly sure. with the Gutenberg, the way they didn't particularly listen to feedback, the way it feels imposed on the community. As anybody reading the reviews of the Gutenberg on WordPress.org would see, it's still very, very low, the plug-in version of it. Um, so while we've seen issues with the leadership, that's, that's caused our biggest doubts with WordPress, which was only a year or so ago. But we didn't really think of abandoning it because we just thought, well, the community is so strong, the professionals working in it, that that kind of will keep it strong despite the issues we saw with the leadership from above. So while there have been things we weren't happy with, um, it's open source, everybody can do what they want to it. It's so strong that we didn't seriously doubt it. But I'd say that's the closest we've ever got over Gutenberg and not just Gutenberg, but the way it was managed, the way people were listened to. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting, kind of going back to when you said you started in 2010, and that's when my brand started. Uh, I know that Yoast is celebrating because they started in 2010, Genesis Child Themes. 2010 was really an interesting time because I felt the same way. It was, I'd been using WordPress for about three years, and then I decided to really dive into, I did a like a major, okay, I'm doing everything WordPress. And it was a pivotal time. And that's interesting to hear. So, 2010, fast forward, where was that transition to WooCommerce and what kind of brought that on? Um, well, between 2010 and 2016, we were building websites for clients. And um, some of those were WooCommerce websites, um, inevitably. Um, but we didn't, as a web design agency, we didn't specialize in WooCommerce as such. We just got familiar with it, got experience with it. We wrote some fairly big custom plugins for individual clients, like we did an events uh, booking system for a particular client, for example. And um, But we weren't really specialists. It was just one tool of many that we worked with. It was more when we started uh, selling our own plugins that we became WooCommerce specialists because uh, sometimes we would create a WooCommerce version of the plugin and a generic one. And I remember saying to my uh, husband and business partner, Andy, one time, I'm, I'm 90% sure that the generic version would outsell the WooCommerce. I was so confident. Well, we still have both of those plugins today. We have password-protected categories, which password protects any kind of WordPress category. And we have WooCommerce-protected categories, which only lets you protect uh, WooCommerce product categories. Well, that has outsold the generic one by 10 times and continues <laughs> to do so. I was so wrong. Just because a plugin has more potential use cases does not mm. mean it's going to be more successful. So, yeah. Similarly, we have table plugins. So we have Post Table Pro, which takes any kind of post type in WordPress, documents, blog posts, pages, whatever, and lists it in a table. And we have WooCommerce product table, which lists products in a table. While that's not 10 times bigger than Post Table Pro, it is our best-selling plugin. Um, and Post Table Pro has so many more use cases. People use it in very, very diverse ways anything from document libraries to an index of all the pages on their websites or a member directory, that's really diverse. But WooCommerce product table is the bestseller. Uh, so it just there is so much opportunity for WooCommerce, maybe because as well as it's huge, but so it's WordPress, but maybe also because with WooCommerce, people pay for it. It is uh, revenue generating for them. So they will pay more and they're more likely to pay at all. Mm. Yeah. Because it's tied to, yeah, the, the use case and in that case is tied to something that's actually impacting the bottom line for the business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I was just going to say that I see you are involved with the documentation and or you actually probably oversee the documentation. I see you have several you wear several different hats in your business. Yeah. I do all the non the non coding hats are all me really yeah <laughs> yeah I was gonna say you're the I can see you're not the technical side so much except in documentation you you have to be to some extent I I did, I did training for years and years and years what is the learning styles you're seeing in your you know who's buying your plugins is there anything that's changed over time I mean most of the time I see you know documentation is good solid. Here's some text. Here's explaining maybe screenshots. Do you incorporate any video in your documentation? Is there any reason to? Just kind of like to dive into a little bit of that area. I think you need to incorporate all different learning styles because some people just like to use the settings page and figure it out for themselves. So that has to be clear with clear notes and tooltips and so on. Other people like step-by-step written instructions. So they want to go step one, step two and follow that. Other people love video and want to sit and watch uh, me or one of my colleagues actually creating um, the system, like whether it's a, um, a WooCommerce order form or a pr- protected wholesale area or whatever. They want to watch me doing it on YouTube and then copy that themselves. So I think with documentation, you have to keep it diverse because there are so many different people. I personally hate video. I'm too impatient to sit and watch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, at that person's speed. I want to be able to Flip, flip through through the relevant bits especially with the classic four minute intros that you sometimes get I'm like yeah all right. <laughs> yeah but some people love them and they watch all the way through and they must have so much time on their hands but people love them so you have to um, acknowledge that and do all the different types of documentation um, and I think just generally whichever the medium is to make it really comprehensive because some people will just read the beginning bit like the, the general overall setup page other people will really delve down deep. So you have to kind of keep the intro pages really high level and you have to provide the detail for those people that want it and you will find those people. Um, like about half of our users are developers or agencies providing websites for clients. So they are likely to have some coding knowledge or something. Whereas the other half are store owners. So. Uh, they might be less technical and they'll know their way around WooCommerce, hopefully. This episode is brought to you by Foo Events. If you sell any kind of ticketing online and you're using WooCommerce, you may have discovered that it doesn't have a very intuitive approach to seamless ticket sales. I know I've been there myself. Foo Events brings more power to your ticketing process. It's really easy to set up and you never have to worry about third-party fees again. Not only can you sell tickets, but managing them is really slick. And best of all, they have a growing number of extensions to fit any need you may have. There are no worries to the amount of tickets you can send. And for the convenience of your attendees, and to help you keep track of the event even better, it has a free mobile check-in. Managing your attendees and events goes smoother with custom event reports and ticket inventory. And you can export your attendees for additional communication that you may need to send to them. Or heck, you could even build your list. And your attendees can be rest assured that the data remains safe and private. Whether it's concerts, school functions, fundraisers, conferences, or any number of events that you sell tickets to, Foo Events has you covered. 
And they have a really sweet offer for you, our listener. Simply go to fooevents.com forward slash do the woo and get the Foo Events for WooCommerce plugin. This is a premium plugin for an entire year. Free. No strings attached. This offer is limited, so head on over to fooevents.com forward slash do the woo. And now back to our podcast. One thing I'm curious about, so you have, um, if I'm counting right, six plugins focused on WooCommerce currently. And according to your timeline, you've got several new plugins in the works for 2020, which is awesome. How do you decide what plugins to focus on, especially given what you've shared so far about like thinking one would be, would take off more than the other. And then you find out that it's different as you're looking at the next few plugins. How are you deciding what to put your energy into and what to create next? It's a combination of gaps in the market and requests from our customers. Hmm. So I'll talk about both of those. With gaps in the market, we're in quite a um, privileged position to have that information. Uh, We have people contacting us saying, can you do this with your plugin? Um, And it's nothing to do with our plugin half the time. But but we try to be helpful. We provide good support. So often we will Google it and see how you do that because – if you can provide that, then if your plugin meets a number of their needs, they'll still use it. So there is a benefit. And I have a, a well, Google Doc, basically, where I have future plugin ideas. So if I ever find anything that doesn't seem to exist, then I write it down. And that happens every few days, a new idea. And then we assess it and we do some further research and SEO um, tools as well to see which ones are opportunities. So some of our plugins, like, Last year, we released uh, WooCommerce lead time, which is really simple. It just displays the the lead time or the estimated delivery period um, on the product page. And WooCommerce default quantity, which surprisingly, there were no plugins that let you change the default quantity value. Oh, interesting. So, which is always one in WooCommerce. So a lot of people um, using our WooCommerce product table plugin, because they use it as like a one-page order form, they want it to say zero in the quantity field so that the user can then type a different number in. Um, or they might want it to say five to encourage people to buy more. So both lead times and default quantities just didn't exist until we released those plugins um, in last September. Uh, so that's the gap in the market. Um, and the other is listening to our customers. So last year, we also released WooCommerce QuickView Pro. And there were QuickView plugins on the market already, uh, and we hadn't actually released anything before that already existed. But our customers who were using WooCommerce product table were begging for QuickView options in their product table. So instead of an add to cart column, maybe they'd have QuickView buttons so that they could open up a light box with all the variations in and view more images and stuff like that within the light box and then add to the cart and return immediately to the product table. So people were asking for that in conjunction with our existing plugin. So we could have just added it to that plugin, but we thought, no, we'll do it as a standalone plugin because there is a use case to have it separately. So that was responding to our uh, existing customers, but it led to a new plugin. Um, And the one uh, that we're working on at the moment, which is a bit of an experiment, is that um, we've got the free plugins which people use to create a wholesale store in WooCommerce. Mm. So um, they use WooCommerce protected categories to create a hidden category or a 
series of hidden categories that only wholesale users can access. And then they add different prices and so on um, just for the wholesale products. And they use our product table plugin to create a wholesale friendly order form because it's a bit uh, more information based and less visual than the standard layout because it's got smaller images and more and more technical data, that kind of thing. So people combine our plugins to create a wholesale store, but that's not really what they were designed for. Mm. So our experiment with a third way to get new plugin ideas is that we're currently working on kind of an ultimate wholesale plugin, which combines what people like about those plugins, but without the compromises they're having to make at the moment. So, for example, with WooCommerce protected categories, at the moment, they're having to create a duplicate version of their product, one for retail, one for wholesale, uh, which isn't ideal in some cases. So we're creating a wholesale plugin that um, listens to the problems that these customers have. Um, so it's not anything new. And we already have those customers, but we're trying to do something You're combining a few them. things. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that will help with sales at all. Uh, because we already have a lot, large number of wholesale customers, but it will be make it easier for them to use. And maybe we're losing people because of the um, it's not dedicated. It might also give you the chance to focus on that idea more broadly and attract folks who are wanting to get into it, right? Because people, you have these early adopters who figured out how to combine things to accomplish what they needed, but by focusing specifically on the wholesale problem. Um, in theory, I guess you'll, you'll find out, but yeah. <laughs> in theory, you can attract more. One, one more thing I'm curious about with, so when I talk to folks who are looking at, oh, maybe I should do a WooCommerce plugin. Like you guys have done the hard work of getting to the point where you have the data and some of the insights to guide what you do next. What for others who are interested in getting into the product space, what's your sense of the potential yet unrealized in the ecosystem? Like, do you feel like there's still a lot or is there a little? Like, where, where do you feel like we are in terms of the, yeah, like, are there still plenty of ideas yet untapped? Or if you're talking to someone who's interested in getting into the space, what would you say to them about where they should focus or how they should decide whether it's worth getting into? Um, I don't think it is um, oversaturated, amazingly, because of the sheer size of the market. Mm. And um, the more people you have, the more random requirements they come up with. But amazingly, a lot of the random requirements, there's a lot of demand for them because of the sheer size of the user base of WooCommerce. So um, things like um, the different plugins that we've released, that there's a reasonable number of people wanting them, even for the quite small features. And the other place to look is plugins that aren't being done well. Um, there's lots of plugins that have been neglected or um, just not very good. But I'd say that the way to find that information is to be part of it. So go to WordCamps, um, design websites for clients. I wouldn't get into it as a newbie to the industry. How are you going to have that insight to know what to develop? So it's better to do it based on your own experience, like, when I talk to fellow plugin company owners, they've nearly always built plugins based on something in their experience. So mm. um, like if they've built a learning management system um, with WooCommerce um, signups, then that's because they did it for a client once and or um, they, they might have scratched their own itch because there wasn't a solution for their own websites. And so I'd say don't just come in fresh, uh, get immersed in it and then the ideas will come to you. Yeah, if you wanted a, a jump start, one one idea might be to find an agency to work with, 
where they already have a lot of the experience and insights, but maybe haven't been able to find the time to capitalize on some of it. And um, yeah, so get them to outsource projects to you and so on. Yes. Or, Mm -hmm. or drawing from their insights to sort of figure, Hey, let's work on a project together. Yeah. That's word camps are good for that as well. Cause you get to get chatting with these people. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I want to swing back to was when you were talking about how you made that decision to create another plugin instead of adding it as a feature. I think it was uh, um, QuickView. And you're able to take an idea that's out there. I mean, there's, you know, how many plugins can we do? How many more plugins can we do? But if it's specific to a product you're already having and all the plugins that aren't meeting the requirements to work with your plugin or, you know, specific functionality, what better thing than to create another plugin? So my question is, and maybe you don't have a cut and dry answer to it, is where do you draw the line when you come across an idea like that and you say, okay, is this something we want to add as a new feature or do we want to add as a plugin? It's a judgment call, really. um, To use the QuickView example, um, we knew that there was a use case for using QuickView with the default store layouts not just the product table layout provided by our existing plugin. So therefore, it made sense to separate it, whereas other feature requests might be very specific to the product table. So we would therefore add that as a feature to our existing plugin. So it's kind of common sense and maybe a bit of research to see what else is out there and listening to your customers as well. I like that idea and I like that approach because there's not always times I need more stuff added to it. I'm thinking, okay, you know, this isn't something specific to my needs, but it's being added. But it's just an interesting uh, equation that you have to kind of make that call at some point. Well, it's about bloat as well, isn't it? That you don't want to add too much to a plugin that not everybody will use. So you've got to kind of get that balance between making it a fully featured plugin that has lots of added value. And you have to add to that over time because um, most companies are charging annually now, including ourselves. So you have to provide ongoing value and keep adding features, but not in a way that is just for the sake of it. So um, there is that. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's see. Do you have anything else you want to, before we move into a couple little items there, anything else, Jonathan, you want to ask Katie specifically? So one thing I'm curious about, so WooCommerce uh, WooCommerce is interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, from my point of view and, and being immersed in it more from the community perspective, I feel like we're still really early in terms of its potential. When you think about the future as as you know as a business building on it, are there any particular things that you're excited about or concerned about with sort of the direction of the project um, and just sort of what you're seeing in the market, especially with non-open source income like projects like Shopify, et cetera, coming in. Like how are you feeling about the future? Things you're excited about or or concerned about? I've noticed that Shopify's market share has increased a lot in the last year. Every year I publish an article on our blog um, about the latest WooCommerce statistics. Mm. And I noticed a big increase specifically for Shopify, which is almost rivaling WooCommerce for market share now. Whereas two years ago it was on something like four percent. So there's something that Shopify are getting right that we need to keep an eye on. Um, but WooCommerce is still the leader. Um, in terms of the actual um, the WooCommerce um, ecosystem at the moment, as a plugin developer, I'm finding it we're in a bit of a state of change at the moment. 
that's making it hard to have direction. And this is caused by Gutenberg. So, for example, we're planning three new plugins at the moment, and I'm actively working on the specification for those. And we're talking about how to add information to the um, product page for one of them. And we don't know whether short codes feel a bit old fashioned, but at least they're flexible. But Gutenberg isn't even available on product pages yet. So, mm. but it will be, but it's not yet. And they haven't provided a date for that. So uh, we need to build a plugin that adds content to the product page in a flexible way. But it feels like that the, there isn't a sort of industry standard at the moment. Uh, some people build their product page using Gutenberg or JupyterX or Elementor or anything like that. But it's not feasible for a plugin company to provide a, an element or block for every possible platform plus a shortcode. So we kind of need to make a decision. But I don't feel there is an objectively right decision at the moment, which I think is a bit of a limitation um, because we shouldn't be in that position that we don't feel that we should be developing because we're waiting to see what will happen. Um, so there's that dilemma, really, uh, particularly with WooCommerce and the product page. How do you navigate that right now? Uh, I think we're going to go down the shortcode route because you can use shortcodes everywhere. Uh, I'm in a Facebook group. Uh, no, I think it was a different. Yeah, it was WooCommerce Help and Share Facebook group, which has thousands and thousands of people. So I posted on that and I said, what do you think of shortcodes these days? Are they old fashioned? Are they good? And everybody said, oh, we love shortcodes. So um, that was a bit reassuring. Um uh, but I kind of felt that a lot of people don't like shortcodes because they look like code. So even though they're actually not coding at all, non-technical users think that they are basically programming if they have to edit a shortcode. And um, <laughs> so I'd rather provide something more visual, but it feels like it's not yet the time to do that. So I think we're going to go down the shortcode route, but then we're going to have to do a block or something in the future. But even then, what do people with Divi or Elementor or something else use? Because um, it, it just feels uncertain at the moment with that sort of thing. Uh, I'm excited to see what you're coming out with your new products. We'll kind of connect with you, you know, as far as where people can connect with you at the end of the show. But a couple of things I just wanted to bring up. One is this is something we don't really have to um, discuss, but WooCommerce 4.1. 4.0 beta, beta one. one released. So time to get in there and have all that fun with the, the beta and see what's um, what's going on. The other thing I wanted to bring up just a little bit, I know just because Jonathan is quite involved with it and I've done that myself and I understand that Katie's um, located where there isn't really a WooCommerce meetup available. It's just touching a little bit on WooCommerce meetups and have Jonathan kind of just give us a, in a nutshell, because I know this is a big part of what you're doing right now. Like I said, I ran a WooCommerce meetup for quite a while and, you know, I, I'm, I'm being pestered by Jonathan to start it up again, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm still thinking on that anyway. Um, but kind of what's the scoop on the meetups these days? Yeah, sure. Well, first, a confession on the 4.0. Something that hit me over the, just the past couple of days is, and I, I'm loving it. I've been so immersed on the community side of things that I haven't taken time recently just to play with like the latest versions of Woo. So um, I just 
I'm calling myself out for that. I'm looking forward to diving back in and like seeing where things are going with it. But just in general, for those for those listening, sometimes it's easy. Like maybe you play with Gutenberg, for instance, a year or two ago. Uh, it's changed quite a bit since then. And for me, I've done a lot with Woo in the past, but you know, I've looked at screens, et cetera, but I haven't really played much with the 4.0. So um, I'm excited to carve out some time to jump back into that. I just want to encourage folks, like these things move pretty quickly. If you haven't looked recently, it's good to go back and refamiliarize yourself with, uh, with some of these things. Um, on the meetup side of things, so yeah, today we have about um, 60 meetups around the world. Of those, it's a pretty small number that are actually really active right now. And, um, and there's a lot of interest. My, the biggest challenge has been finding organizers who are willing to sort of take that interest and, and lead because it, it requires some effort. And especially if it's new, it can be, it can be a daunting thing if you haven't had experience sort of getting into it. Um, the way that, that I'm thinking about it, like our mission at WooCommerce is to democratize commerce. We're building that on, on that idea of WordPress and democratizing publishing. And I feel strongly, you know, Katie, you mentioned community early on, like that, that's a big part of what's made WordPress as big as it is, this really strong community that even though things can be somewhat uncertain about the project, it's like, well, it's just a whole lot bigger than a few individuals or a few decisions. And I feel like that's the same with Woo, uh, and, and it, or rather it can be. And I feel like we're, uh, if we're going to be successful in democratizing commerce and making it accessible to folks, there needs to be a strong community around it. And meetups is only one part of that. It's a lot more than just the meetup program. But my, my personal belief is that a healthy, sort of vibrant meetup program and base is a Im- really important aspect of a strong community because it gives local entrepreneurs in in a community the chance to go to a place and have their questions answered, connect with others you mentioned, Katie, like the the product folks, when you can talk to folks who are doing similar things. And I've seen the same in the merchant space when they can talk to others who, you know, you're selling something different, but there's still a lot of shared knowledge. So what we're trying to do is just facilitate a lot more of that around the world where entrepreneurs who are wanting to get started have a group in their area. And especially with just how massive WordPress and WooCommerce is, you need, like, my hope is to see all of us in the project helping people make better choices and decisions as time goes on. In the meantime, a lot of us get by through community connections. It's going to a Facebook group or attending the local meetup, asking questions like, Hey, what about, what should I do about this? What about this? So we're working hard to support the existing community and help it grow. And if anyone's interested in starting the meetup or getting involved, uh, please, uh, please reach out. Excellent. And I know that Katie's just biting the bit to start one um, over in her corner of the world, but uh, <laughs> no, no pressure there. I, I'm just, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, good show. Uh, Katie, it was great hearing. I know I've had you on a, another podcast. I, I liked hearing a little bit more of the company's background, how you got into this whole space. Where can people connect with you on the web? Our website is barn2.co.uk. So that's barn and then the number two.co.uk. And Twitter is barn2media. Um, so you can find out more about us on either of those. Excellent. Well, uh, again, want to thank our sponsors, WooCommerce.com. Go check them out. They have a whole bunch of 
woo going on over there. Always, always <laughs> lots of woo. And fooevents.com. Check out that. If you are looking for a ticketing and uh, event management plugin for your site, do check them out. And like I said, they have a coupon code that you can find the link to. Um, I believe it's Bob WP, but you're going to have to end up on the landing page there on the site. So make sure you go to fooevents.com forward slash do the woo. Go there and you will be able to sign up for a year free license. All right. Well, again, thanks, Katie. Uh, it's great having you on. And we'll maybe we'll come back in about 12 months, have you on <laughs> yeah. and hear about the the three new plugins and um and we'll see if um Gutenberg's treating you a little bit better these days. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks, Jonathan. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite pod app. You can subscribe to our news letter or you can become a friend of Do the Woo. Until next time, we'll see you next week. <laughs>